Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, welcome back, everybody. Plenty to get to, plenty to go over on the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves, very much ready for the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, as well as the NBA Conference Finals and all else that's taking place. Much to talk about and go over with the John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson of SportsMediaWatch.com, back for another edition. Good to be back with you, and there is no shortage of subjects matter this week how you feeling first of all how are things well uh if you remember at the end of 2001 a space odyssey so the main character is flying through the 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 black hole right Mm -hmm. and he ends up in this room uh this uh, very strange room where he keeps aging rapidly (laughs) through each cut i remember right right And uh, I'm, I'm at the point now where he's lying in bed looking at the, uh, the monolith. <laughs> I understand. Uh, and, and that is me with twins that are going to be 14 years old. I can't believe I'm uttering that later this summer. I have been aging, John, as I like to say, in dog years, I think, yeah. over the last few years yeah. uh, with this. So I can identify. Glad to be back with you. Reminder to the audience, however you found a social media link. John site sportsmediawatch.com. Make sure that you're following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, again, a lot of audience finding us also because we're now partnered up with George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know uh, podcast. Uh, he is part of that. We're going to talk some about his uh, latest edition, uh, the first part of two fascinating with former Fox Sports broadcaster, now disgraced broadcaster Tom Brenneman. Uh, More on that in a little bit, but thank you all for finding us. Easiest way to get the show is if you follow and or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Also, leave us a review. A lot of us, uh, a lot of people have been asking, you know, they love engaging with the show and uh, tell people about it, share it out, but leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will enable more people to find this. Don't give me a five-star review. Give John a (laughs) five-star review on Apple Podcasts, right down at the bottom, those of you that have iPhones, that have iPads, it will take you 90 seconds to say, hey, I enjoy this podcast, or they do a great job, or John's got the hilarious takes. He works in you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, just like he can work in episodes of uh, The Family Guy or whatever else that he's he's got on his mind. So again, Raiders to review us, that will help us as well. Again, so much uh, to cover. We've got playoff action, uh, again, in the NHL and the NBA with the ratings doing well. Uh, We'll get to that in a couple of moments. Let's begin with the NFL. The NFL seems to be king here. And the latest news is Drew Brees and NBC have officially parted ways. They both have announced it. Drew has said, I don't know what I am uh, doing next. Don't know if it will be foundational work for him, the golf course. There's speculation, my goodness, John, that he might, after a year off, try to come back and play still with uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Don't know that I buy that. Will he end up on another network doing games? John, what are your thoughts after only one year at NBC for the former Saints quarterback, Drew Brees? Well, the reality is 
the big name is not always going to be meaningful. Everyone is so seduced by the big name. You know, the Lakers want Doc Rivers, even though nobody should want Doc Rivers after these past few, uh, you know, uh, jobs that he's had in the NBA. Even in politics, you see it all the time. You know, Dr. Oz is running for Senate. Why? Why on earth would you want Dr. Oz running for Senate? You know, I mean, just because somebody is a big name doesn't mean they're going to be any good. And people can't become big names until they get the opportunity. So you let someone get their foot in the door, right? Uh, and as far as Breeze goes, you know, just, just because he was good at being a quarterback didn't mean he was going to be good at being a TV analyst. And that was, you know, ludicrous. Uh, he never really gave much in terms of his personality. You know, uh, probably the, mo- the only time he ever said anything controversial was when he said that stuff about the uh, Kaepernick protest. And obviously that was going to make him way, way more careful uh, after after that became the story it became. You know, it was just um, it was just one of those hires that people make when they think that they're, you know, smarter than everybody. And it's like, oh, you got Romo. Well, I'll get Drew Brees. Well, why wouldn't why would Drew Brees be like Romo instead of being like Jason Witten? You know, mm. uh, so to me, you know, develop your talent or if you're going to go with it, if you're going to go with a familiar name, go with one that's proven in TV, because a familiar name that has no TV experience is just a novice with no TV experience. And the only reason that he even got the job isn't because you saw something in him that was promising, but because he's a big name. So, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, they'll move on. They already made the decision when they re-upped with Chris Collinsworth. And I'm quite sure Chris, you know, I don't know what kind of personality Chris Collinsworth has, but I'm quite sure that there are a lot of people who in that situation would have a little bit of an extra smile on their face, knowing that the company tried to drive them out and fell flat on their face in the process. Yeah. Uh, and there had been a theory, I guess, that Breeze might be a replacement for him or it might be a three-man booth that obviously never materialized. We kind of talked about this with Tom Brady a week ago. Again, it's an unknown situation to us. He hasn't really done it before. Did he audition with Fox? Brady, we're talking about, we don't know. But you're again dealing with an unknown of being in the booth and being able to volunteer information. That's why I remain convinced. I keep getting asked in interviews, John. I do a bunch of different radio interviews, podcasts. You know, what's going to happen with Tom Brady uh, in the Fox booth? I'm not so sure, again, that it won't be a three-man booth, at least to begin with here, to kind of gradually bring him in. The reference point, again, is Troy Aikman was part of a three-man booth, as you know, John, with Chris Collinsworth on Fox. So maybe that's Uh, what will happen. Educated speculation for me. Do you think Drew Brees ends up back on TV, maybe back in a booth this fall? There's rumors about Fox Sports that it's maybe there. Would ESPN talk to him about maybe putting him on some of their NFL coverage? Give me some educated speculation. You think Brees will be on somewhere maybe this year? What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, he is rich, right? When you're Mm -hmm. rich, you don't have to do things you don't want to do. And uh, it might seem like an interesting idea. You know who I think is having buyer's remorse right now? I see it every night I tune into a TNT or TBS. I think it's Wayne Gretzky. I don't think Wayne Gretzky wants to be there. Mm. I think Wayne is sitting there at one o'clock in the morning in Atlanta, (laughs) okay, thinking to himself, what on earth have I committed to? Why did I let Charles, you know, talk me into this? And the thing is, that show actually works pretty well without him. They don't really need him. Right. And, you know, I'm not, I'm sure Wayne likes his coworkers. I'm sure he, you know, doesn't hate the job. But when you tune in at, you know, at the very end and for their postgame show, okay, and remember, Charles Barkley, who's been doing it for 20 years, is complaining nightly on TNT about how long the postgame show goes. So imagine Wayne, who's never done this before, first time, and it's one o'clock in the morning. And I mean, you can see how tired he is. It's it's like a tiredness in the bones. You can just see he's right. so tired and wants to go home. And look, for some of these folks, I think when it comes down to it, it was something to try, you know? Uh, it was like, okay, you know what? They want me to do it. It's money. Maybe I'll be good at it. And then they realize you know what, I, this is extra work. I don't want to do this. It's I'm not as good at it as I thought I would be. You know, if I'm Drew Brees and I've been excellent at football all these years and now I'm getting criticized by Andrew Marchand and, you know, sports, sports media reporters, mm-hmm. you know, it must be, you know, it's like, hey, who do you think you are, right? But look, this is, this is, this is the industry that, that this is. And you have to really want to be part of it. You can't just 
go in and, you know, it's not a hobby. It's a job. Absolutely. And that's what I think some of these guys don't realize going in. I think it's a great point that you make. And we talked about Wayne Gretzky all the way back, my Lord, John, six mm-hmm. months ago before yeah. this began with the hockey season, that would he be lively, not necessarily his personality, would he be willing to criticize? And one of the criticisms of him is that he hasn't been very critical of anybody making this mistake, bad coaching decision, bad substitution uh, situation, wrong move here, something. Um, It it is interesting in their dynamic because they have Anson Carter sitting there uh, on the TNT show, who I think is very good and very knowledgeable, But again, he's not Wayne Gretzky. I want Gretzky's opinion. I want him to give me a take. And a lot of times it's not there. And I think you make a valid point that maybe it's fatigue. It's later in the night, uncomfortable. And you're right. The great one doesn't have to do this. And maybe maybe he doesn't want to do it beyond just this year. He tried it. He's been a coach. He's been a GM slash kind of like part owner. Maybe he doesn't want to do this after one year. Don't know. You know, Charles Barkley said that uh, the late great Kobe Bryant was had signed to join Turner. And, you know, it's rare for a player of that caliber, like even as great as Charles was, you don't have all time greats in TV. Usually Magic did it because Magic had the whole HIV circumstance and it was a way to keep him close to the game. And he was doing the games like the season after. Right. I mean, right after his retirement in right. 92, he was on NBC. It was a bit different with him because of that circumstance that got him. I'm trying TV. to remember. So so all of that happened. And again, we should say to the audience that they've just chronicled this in the HBO based on the based on the story reality show winning time. I'm trying to remember in the chronology. So that happened in the 91, 92 season yeah. where magic is HIV positive. All right. They brought him back. He quali- He was on the ballot. He played in the All-Star yeah. game in Orlando. They were using him on TV. They used him in the postseason, including the NBA Finals. He then played in the Olympics that summer. But I can't remember off the top of my head. He, he did not come back with them, correct, in 93? Or he, he was did. also there in the 93 season as an analyst? He came back into the league in the preseason in 92-93, but was – driven out there was a lot of disgusting you know paranoia okay. and all that uh and then uh he did come back you will see him in the 93 finals with marv okay. and mike uh and then the next year he was coaching which was a disaster. With the lakers right. with the lakers and it was yeah, a mess exactly. right that was a disaster and then uh a couple of years after that he was back playing for real and uh, then he was doing the magic hour which uh, you know mm. and uh, then uh he ended up at turner so that's the magic trajectory and ESPN used him for a little while too as an analyst. And again, that's, oh yeah, that's and, true. And to your point, he actually currently works for ESPN as an analyst. Uh, believe it or not, air quotes. I guess, yeah, sort of. But it, it's, it's it's interesting his route because again, you're comparing him to Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here we bring it back to Tom Brady and how it might or might not look for Tom Brady uh, on this. So we'll see what happens with Drew Brees. Let's stay with the NBA theme because there is some attention this week. Uh, after the Dallas Mavericks just whacked the Phoenix Suns in game seven in Phoenix, horrific blowout to end the season for the Suns and and maybe the last best chance for Chris Paul at 37 years of age to make any kind of a run after the Suns had had such a great regular season. All right. That's part of the story. Shocking. I want your thought on that in a second, but then the follow-up is a, Let's be, I'll be diplomatic, a role player, a guy that's never going to be confused with an all-time great is sitting on ESPN in Patrick Beverly, just blasting Chris Paul, blasting away on uh, ESPN's Get Up show with Mike Greenberg and Stephen A. Smith. John, what are your thoughts on the the loss by the Suns and then the Beverly criticism and the, and the controversy around all of that? There's an episode of American Dad uh, where Mark Cuban is a guest voice, and it's done in the style of Charlie's Angels, where it turns out that uh, Mark Cuban, they, they Wait, believe- is Cuban like Bosley on the speaker? No, he's Hello. the villain. Hello, he's Angels. Villain. Oh, he's the villain. Okay, continue. Yeah. And they, they uncover his plans to blow up the sun. The joke is, it turns out he only meant to blow up the Phoenix Suns. And this was art imitating life all these years later. Very nice. Sunday. Very nice. Yeah. Because God. the Mavericks blew up the Suns. 
Yes, uh, they uh, they blew up the Suns indeed, and uh, it was uh, a ridiculous, uh, you know, embarrassment. The fact is, the Suns, I believe, were the favorite. There was a lot of talk going in. They were a six and a half point favorite, I believe, uh, in the odds, and I believe that they were the favorite. Most people thought were going to win. I think the Mavericks had been a bit of a dark horse pick to potentially win, but if the Mavericks were going to win, you would think that they were going to win in a close game with heroics by Luka down the stretch because Phoenix was so dominant in the first three games and uh, 27 points in the first half. I mean, uh, they'll never live that one down. I mean, if Virginia could come back from losing to the 16th seed to win the title next year, then maybe, but uh, it's going to have to be that kind of uh, a comeback. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the Patrick Beverly thing, and I think it says a lot about where we have gone in this industry. Uh, Patrick Beverly is a, a shrewd operator, and he knows that the way to advance in the sports media industry is not through cogent analysis, but with nasty cheap shots that may or may not be even based in reality. And he has watched as any number of uh, non-athlete has used this formula to achieve great riches. Right. And he's looking to the end of his career, probably sooner rather than later. And he sees that this is the way to do it. And you can't really blame him. Uh, He's not at fault for this. It's, uh, you know, uh, Mark Shapiro and uh, Jamie Horowitz and, you know, all those executives all those years ago who created this uh, terrible genre that uh, has so much influence over the uh, sports media. But, you know, there's a there's a player haters ball element with the NBA that's been tiresome for a while now, where the greatest joy in the NBA is to rip on somebody, to rip on a team. Like, was it enjoyable to rip on the Suns on Sunday? A little bit, because they certainly talk a great deal. But this is over and over and over again. This is every single failure, every single year is cause for the uh, complete obliteration of everything that you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Every single failure lives on. Your successes are easy to diminish, right? But your failures are the proof of who you really are. It's a profoundly negative and toxic space in the NBA and one that is not duplicated anywhere else. You don't see it yet. You know, if you go on to HF boards, I'm sure you'll see some pretty nasty stuff about Sidney Crosby, right? But in, in terms of the mainstream of the NHL media, that doesn't exist. In the mainstream of the baseball media, it doesn't exist. And even in the mainstream of the NFL media, it doesn't exist. It is only in the NBA where people live to tear down every single player, every single team, to use every single failure as the opportunity for this, you know, decades of mockery. And by the way, you know, this is all kind of new, too, because it wasn't like this in the NBA in the Jordan era. If it was like this in the NBA in the Jordan era, Jordan would have been a hero to nobody. Because even with that 6-0 finals record, they would have said, well, he couldn't get past Detroit. Oh, well, you know, it was rigged for Jordan. All these various nonsensical things. So I think it's bad for the league. I think it's indicative of, you know, the NBA being the league that is the most tied to this uh, absolute garbage we like to call embrace debate. So uh, Stephen A. Smith was sitting there with Beverly. One of the criticisms that I've seen is should they not have had another player? Kendrick Perkins is an analyst, obviously, with them, among others. Should they not have had another player on standby? They couldn't have known, I guess, that he was going to take, as you said, cheap shots here in this instance. Now, subsequently, they had Matt Barnes on, another role player, who basically slapped uh, Patrick Beverly down and said, you're a role player, essentially. You're a a part-time guy. You have your role. Who are you to be criticizing a guy that has been first team all NBA? You're criticizing his defense. He's been nine times on the all defensive team previously in his career. So you did have a balance later on. Is the criticism valid that somebody should have been there as a former player to counterbalance when Beverly was going off besides Stephen A. Smith? I mean, no, not really. I mean, who does ESPN even have on its roster realistically that anyone would take seriously in that regard? I mean, so, Tim you know, Legler, I'm just putting this out well, there. They use him a lot, but Legler maybe not yeah, working the morning. No, Legler's whatever, not doing those morning shows. Because he's up, he's up at night. I'm, I'm thinking Hammer. about the morning show rotation, right, the right, get up right. cohort. I don't think they have anyone there who, who would carry as, you know, more weight than Pat Bev, really. Um, look, so to me, you look at TNT's show. Uh, and they, you know, Charles takes his fair share of cheap mm-hmm. shots, you know, the, the street clothes stuff, the bus, dr- the bus rider stuff, 
that's all NBA Reddit level petty nonsense, given that Charles is one of the greatest players ever. It's so profoundly beneath him. But at the same time, even with that, Charles will always have to his benefit kind of that happy warrior thing. Pat Bev was basically shiving Chris Paul. You could sense that this was something like he was, it was exciting to him. And Charles doesn't have that. Right. Like Charles is not delighting in ripping people. And ultimately, Charles is also somebody who, you know, Charles is pretty self-deprecating. Right. It's a lost art, self-deprecation. There's not a lot of people, even in comedy, who do this anymore. Everyone's like, you know, I'm the greatest thing in the world. I'm a hero. How does John Oliver have time to be self-deprecating when he's saving the world? Right. Right. So, you know, Charles is one of the last people that still has that self-deprecation. Right. He's not full of himself. And uh, so that allows even those moments where he is just ridiculously petty in ways that are so far beneath the level that he is at, it makes it more tolerable. And the other fact of the matter is, look, Shaq is extremely petty. Shaq is one of the pettiest people ever. And Shaq was saying last last year after the Sixers lost that he would have, if I recall, didn't he say that he would have punched Ben Simmons if he was in the locker room, <laughs> something along those lines? Right. right. So I'm not trying to say the TNT guys are angels by any stretch of the imagination. But I am saying there's something, one, way less contrived. One thing that ESPN's NBA studio is, it's always been tremendously contrived in every single iteration, all the way down to when I was younger, I would always notice that whenever you watch ESPN show, the analysts' opinions would come onto the screen before they said them in the little lower third. Their opinion would already be there. It was so rehearsed. That's not Turner. So there's, you don't have that contrived nonsense. You don't have the element of they were clearly doing this for attention. They clearly wanted to go viral and they succeeded. Turner doesn't do that. There's a, you know, and, and to me, it's just another way that we look at that gap, that yawning Grand Canyon sized chasm between what it is that Turner does and what it is that they do in Bristol, right? Agreed. Uh, so, you know, uh, let me put it this way Pat Bev isn't making TNT show, he's not there, right? That's the difference. Pat Bev, he's good enough for get up. He's not good enough for inside the NBA. And ESPN's got multiple platforms with lots of hours to fill. And again, you know, not unlike some of the other topics you mentioned, Colin Kaepernick earlier in the show, they bring that topic up and then have all of their talking heads come in. And now it fills up the rest of the day or two or three days because they have to fill up hours and shows contrived is a good word, artificial, yeah. manufactured, the, the TNT show has worked for so many years because those guys work well together. They play well off each other. Ernie Johnson drives the bus. Speaking of buses and bus drivers, they're authentic. And the other thing is they won a bunch. When yeah. you've got – now, Barkley did not win a title, but Barkley won a bunch as a player and is one of the 50 great players. Shaq won titles, MVPs, and won a bunch. Kenny Smith won. There's a different yeah. credibility oh, yeah. with that in the criticism. Go ahead. Kenny Smith definitely won. I'm actually old enough, believe it or not. I watched Kenny Smith hit those threes against Orlando. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, there's a lot of people who are not old enough to understand that Kenny Smith is not a joke. He's a oh, real player. Yes. He was a great player. Yes. Um, you know, he wasn't a, a Hall of Famer, but, you know, you want to venerate Derek Fisher and Robert Ory. Kenny Smith was in that class, right, in terms of the great role players. But I wanted to bring something up because I think it's really important. Let's talk about Draymond Green. People really don't like Draymond. We talked last week about that, you know, ridiculous meteorologist in Memphis. But generally, people don't like Draymond. And that's very understandable. Draymond spent the better part of the 2010s kicking people in the groin, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and uh, taking a lot of cheap shots, uh, up, you know, just yelling constantly at the referees while Leads never getting the league in technical fouls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, easy to He's dislike. Yeah. And, out, you know, in, in the Bay Area, they kept saying, oh, Draymond is going to be great on TV. And I'm sitting there going, he's how are people going to like him? But I'll tell you something. Draymond is incredible on TV. I mean, I'm not a Draymond guy, but he's incredible on TV. He, he there's Why, no other way to Why do you think it works? Why do I think it works? Because one, he went to Turner and that that's always right. That's like the first thing you got to do. You got to go to Turner, not to ESPN. 
right? Richard Jefferson would be, Richard Jefferson's really good. Richard Jefferson would be 10 times better on Turner. You can say that for everybody. And the reason you're saying that is because maybe he's being shoehorned or told or encouraged, be because more controversial, be something else, right. be contrived. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. So Draymond is not coming in with any contrived opinions. He's not coming in going, he, I haven't heard Draymond who is not like the nicest dude in the league but I've not heard him take any cheap shots at anybody. His analysis is always sound and it's actual analysis. It's not just, Hey, this guy stinks. We don't prepare for him. It's actual analysis of the game that shows that he knows the game. I know Pat Bev knows the game. Every NBA player does, but what did he bring to first take? He brought cheap shots, right? Draymond brings actual coaching analysis. I'm sure Draymond could say things about Chris Paul that were just as critical, but because he wasn't going the cheap shot route, it'd probably be even more devastating. And especially coming from a, you know, a multiple time champion, uh, you know, not that championships are the be all and end all, but still. Uh, and, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, the fact that, you know, Turner has developed Draymond and Candace Parker, and they are so good at what they do. It's, it's unbelievable. And can you say the same about ESPN? Look, I was impressed by JJ Reddick from the standpoint of he sounded like he'd been doing this for a while, which is hard, but do I think JJ Reddick is as good as Draymond at the, and you know, Draymond's still in the league. Do I think, I mean, do I, or I'll put it another way. Do I think JJ Reddick is the type of analyst that he would be if he was working for Turner. No, because when you're working for ESPN, you're a hot take artist. That's, I mean, that's it. At but least on the NBA. Redick, at least in the short term here, scored some points with players and with others yes. because he was standing up to some of the contrived, exactly. as you put it, the right. blowback. And, and that, that was authentic. But it wasn't authentic. It wasn't because it was in a contrived space. Nothing mm. real can grow out of yeah. AstroTurf. And that's what ESPN's morning show is, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, when it comes down to it, I thought all of that was just, you know, ugh, yeah, I, I have no time or interest in that nonsense. People seem to like it, but, you know, I don't. So it is what Stirred it is. it up for a day or two, but again, Content. Can, I, Content. Can, I make, can I make an analogy just real quick, and then I want to talk about the two matchups, and then we'll move on as we rock along on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Brandel Chambly on the golf channel for years has been a lead analyst dogging tiger woods for everything off the course problems uh you know accusations of cheating etc but then criticisms of his game of his swing and after a while it almost became contrived it almost became this is what you're being known for and part of me is now sitting back and i don't really know him i know of him and i've worked some in pga tour radio with sirius xm and pga tour.com but part of me is sitting back going who are you criticizing the greatest of all time when you won one pga tournament one pga tour tournament nick faldo wants to say this stuff i'm listening more to nick faldo and his six major championships johnny miller and his major championships paul azinger and major championship i'll listen to them more than i'm listening to almost hot take contrived brandel chambly that's just my thought on that with the golf major coming this week well you froze on me there for a second so i didn't hear the last part that's okay. You can just pick up. I was just saying, I'd rather hear from those other guys. Right. And of course it continues this week with the PGA championship. So go ahead. Yeah. One of the things, you know, with the Pat Bev story, I kind of wanted to be careful of is I don't want to contribute to, well, you never won. Cause you know, I don't like that. Like Charles Barkley is one of the greatest ever. He never won a championship. Whenever people criticize Charles, they go, or whenever Charles criticizes people, the response is, Oh, you never won. You know, like Draymond did that to Charles and Draymond is great. Draymond on his greatest day of his life will never be Charles at his prime ever. I hope Draymond understands that. I hope everyone understands that Charles mm. was a without even without a championship, a player that is rarely matched. There are very few people who are his peer. So I don't want to get into the game of, well, you never won. Now, as far as Randall Chambly goes, I'll be real. I watched Shark the other day. Uh, because I forgot to cancel my ESPN Plus subscription when I was supposed to. So I figure, you know, I might as well get something out of it. And I was watching Shark, and it was an opportunity to uh, see the name Brandall Chambly and Randall Chambly's face in the same frame. So now I actually know who that is, as opposed to previously when I wasn't quite sure. I don't watch a ton of golf. Is really, 
really the, the angle. But look, when it comes to Tiger, Tiger has these folks who are his hecklers. He has certainly Rick Riley, who, you know, Rick Riley uh, used to be a major, major name. I, if I brought Rick Riley up to any of my students, they'd give me a complete blank stare. But Rick Riley, who was huge for years, look, the reality is he's still going after Tiger. Some of it's fair. Look, we probably haven't talked enough about the circumstances of that car crash, right? Most adults don't get into three car crashes in their adult life. Am I right? Is that correct? correct? Yeah, that's that's rare. So we probably should be talking about that. But, you know, when you take cheap shots of people over and over and over again, you do lose your credibility, you know, which brings me to uh, let me praise ESPN so that I can uh, not be one of those people who's always taking shots at them. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't like about ESPN. Uh, and I do feel in many ways like ESPN uh, and uh, my time watching it has reduced my sports fandom from where it was before I started watching ESPN. But I will say uh, their PR people are very nice to me and I wanted to just give some shout outs to their very nice PR people, uh, Bill Hoffheimer, Andy Hall, uh, and uh, Josh Krulowitz. And uh, I'm actually, there's more people that I could be naming as well. So Chris been, LaPlaca, is I, did I have that name right? It was I have actually there. never interacted with Chris okay. LaPlaca in any capacity yet, but I'm sure it would be nice. I just want to say that because I'm, I'm ripping ESPN pretty often on this, but I do want to say that, that the people I've dealt with there have always been extremely nice to me and kind. All the way back to that random day in 2008 when Nate Smeltz emailed me out of nowhere uh, and I was like, wait, PR people are willing to contact me? I don't think they I don't think they knew how old I was at that point. It's always good that we have uh, help from the PR people, although I do uh, say whether it's the ESPN or the Fox or anybody's PR people, their number one job is to spin whatever it is. And so yes. we get we get that right, John. Yes. One more time. Yes, the kindness is that they uh, respond to me in uh, relatively short order. Uh, so I will I will give them that. Uh, let me also shout out Kimberly Elklep uh, uh, on college basketball and uh, Derek Volner uh, as well. And of course, there's a lot of great PR people at other networks, but I'm simply trying to give a little bit of an olive branch to ESPN since I'm ripping Bristol pretty much every single week we do this. Uh, just so happens. There's a lot. There's a lot that they do and there's a lot they do well. And then there's some things they don't do well. Yes. We, hey, like we the NBA, them. they don't and do the NBA very well. But, oh, but, oh, 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 I completely know. forgot to mention the main PR person uh, who I uh, correspond with at ESPN, Ben Cafardo. Ben, of course, Ben has been great. All right. There. Excellent on excellent on that. And the NBA ratings. And I wonder how that's going to segue now with a Miami, Boston and uh, and what um, Golden State and Dallas going to the conference finals. But the NBA ratings continue to be on the uptick here, John. Just real quick. No, it's been a great postseason for the NBA. The most watched is LeBron James played in Miami. And that's not just a random mention of LeBron James. When LeBron played in Miami, that was the NBA's highest rated period since the Jordan era. So anytime that you can be the highest since LeBron was in Miami, that's a big deal. Uh, and uh, we all know that out-of-home viewing is playing a role here. It is almost certainly true that this year's postseason audience is lower than in 2019, all things being equal. But we didn't have out-of-home data in 2019, so we go with the numbers we have. And the numbers we have say this year's postseason is doing better. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Keep in mind that out-of-home caveat, because the viewership is only up maybe about 4 or 7% from 2019, which out-of-home would account for. Understood. So, you know, with that caveat, I mean, frankly, even just being the best since 2019 in this era, uh, with everything that's going on, you know, with, that's been going on, people want to just kind of memory hole the two years that were spent saying the NBA was going to die out because ratings for months delayed playoffs, or in last year's case, weeks delayed playoffs, were lower than usual. It was obvious at the time, but even more obvious now how much of an anomaly the bubble was. And, you know, and uh, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's good for the league. 
the reality is that uh, the out of home is a factor that you should keep in mind um, with all of these numbers. Uh, and, uh, you know, but ultimately, even on a, even on the rating side, I would say the NBA is doing well. And that's the other thing too. If you think out of home is misleading, then look at the household rating. And I would say the household rating, realistically, a four rating for Bucks Celtics game seven, you know, a game seven in the second round should have a higher rating than that. So it had 7.7 million viewers or 7.8, which is a nice number, but you know, probably could have been a little bit higher on the ratings side. But and still. by the way, Milwaukee and Phoenix, obviously both out. Yeah. And that was your NBA finals last year with Milwaukee winning the championship. Help me here in my chronology. Toronto won the whole thing 2019 mm-hmm. as the Eastern team. Who was the, I, off the top of my head, you know this, who was the 2020 team that lost to the Lakers in the bubble? Miami. Uh, so that was Miami. So then 2021 is Milwaukee out of the East. So now there's a chance for Miami to be back there. But if Boston is there, that would be four different teams from the Eastern Conference four years in a row in the finals for diversity's sake. And then we'll see what happens out of Dallas and Golden State in the other one. It's well, not you know, just the same teams is the only thing I'm pointing out there. The other thing for the NBA, the league is so much healthier now than it was in 2019 when Golden State was last in this place because in 2019, the league needed Golden State. If you get Celtics Mavs, I don't think the league's going to be unhappy. Now, obviously, the ratings aren't going to be as good as if it was Celtics Warriors. That's the ideal. But Celtics Mavs is a pretty good, you know, big market, big stars. The league could uh, do pretty well with that. And again, uh, you know, then again, the NFL wants the Cowboys. The NFL wants the Patriots. They want the biggest teams. Brady and the Buccaneers now. Uh, in that conversation, Major League Baseball wants the Yankees, wants the Dodgers, wants the Cubs, even though they don't make an announcement on this. No different for the NBA that they would want LeBron and the Lakers, Steph Curry and the Warriors, Jason Tatum and the Celtics, the biggest names, but Luka and Dallas coming on too. It is well, you uh, know, it's another good point. Luka is going to be an interesting one. I, I said before that international players don't draw mm-hmm. the way that American-born players do, and I don't expect Luka to be different. But it'll be interesting to see how much Luca can, you know, maybe change that. We will find out uh, soon enough. Okay, let's cover another subject. And this is something, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, that is a brand new partnership uh, with us on SportsMediaWatch.com. George Offman, who was on this podcast last week, his Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Uh, the debut of season five last week was Bill Wennington. Speaking of the NBA, the former Bulls player, now the Bulls radio broadcaster. This week, Tom Brenneman, the first of a two-parter. Brenneman with a, a fascinating long career, the son of Hall of Fame baseball broadcaster Marty Brenneman, longtime voice, 40 years plus of the Cincinnati Reds. Tom Brenneman rose to prominence with Fox Sports especially, but actually did the Chicago Cub games with Harry Carey before he ever was with Fox Sports on WGN, on, on the Superstar on the cable everywhere. So Tom Brenneman uh, obviously rose to prominence with Fox doing their postseason in baseball, doing uh, college football national championship coverage for Fox. And then obviously got himself into trouble with an anti-gay slur in the 2020 season that has banished him basically from working in the big four sports, working at Fox sports, et cetera. I want to encourage everybody to hear Brenneman for his stories and the first part that is out, John, I know you echo that, but there's some fascinating stuff in this podcast, including a story that I had never heard. This is where George is great and they need to go listen because the Steve Bartman game that Tom Brenneman was on the call with Steve Lyons and with Al Leiter on Fox. This is the Chicago Cubs and the Florida Marlins. Now the Miami Marlins 2003 Brenneman tells a story that involves Michael Jordan after the game. I had never heard it. How am I doing on a tease, John Lewis? They need to go back to the podcast before this one on the Sports Media Watch feed and listen to that Michael Jordan story because George's reaction was, I've never heard that story. 19 years later, I've never heard that Jordan story from that night with the Bartman game at Wrigley Field. So there's a tease on that. And I don't know, I'll let you speak for him trying to go on the reconciliation tour, the apology tour, trying to get back in. He talks openly about that, very candidly, John, about that. And uh, what are your thoughts just here one more time before we move on about uh, about Brenneman? You know, I've been thinking about this for a few days, actually. Um, It's an interesting discussion. 
I'm not a big fan of the lock them up and throw away the key thing. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the idea that people can't change, but I'm also of the mind that this is a very difficult industry to get into. And Tom Brenneman already got his break. His break was being the son of Marty Brenneman, right? There's a lot of nepotism in this industry. And the interesting thing is the nepotism doesn't mean you're bad. A lot of the greats have been the sons uh, of former broadcasters, the daughter of a former broadcaster. Uh, in the case of Olivia Harlan, she's the only uh, female broadcaster I can think of who uh, is the son or the, excuse me, the daughter of a broadcaster. So that's why I mentioned her. For mm -hmm. the most part, you know, we're talking about Joe Buck might be the best, you know, ever. I mean, he probably isn't, but he is in the conversation, right? Right. I mean, that's rare. He's in the conversation as the best ever. You can probably debate and say there's, you know, whoever you think is better, but he's in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, Kenny Albert is in the conversation as the best NHL voice ever. Now, again, is he the best? Probably not because Doc Emmerich, right? But he's in the conversation. Uh, nepotism doesn't mean you're bad, but nepotism will always mean you got a break, right? Sure. Because people know that name. They know your dad. They might know your dad personally and like him, right? You know, and the reality uh, is that as good as Tom Brenneman was, and I wasn't the biggest fan of Tom Brenneman's work, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not me doing a revisionist history because, you know, someone said something bad, right? That's what people are doing with Michelle Tafoya. They try to act like Michelle isn't one of the greatest silent reporters ever because they don't like her politics. She's one of the greatest silent reporters ever, whatever her views may be. For me, I was just never a big fan of, of Brenneman as a broadcaster. I thought his voice was a little you know, over the top at times. I hated that line at the end of the Appalachian State Michigan game. Oh, wait, no, it was actually it was actually the Boise State Oklahoma game. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Hated that, you know. Um, right. So, I mean, I had my own issues at Tom Renneman, but, you know, the fact is he was good, certainly a lead announcer for college football on Fox, but he had his break already. His break was being Marty Renneman's son. So you don't really, once you've gotten your break, it would be wonderful to get another break, but you're not entitled to another break. You're not entitled to a single break. There's a lot of people in this industry, just as, or a lot of people who might've been just as talented as Tom Brenneman, who we will never know because they weren't Marty Brenneman's son. They did not have that foot in the door. They didn't know the right people. They didn't have the right opportunity. Maybe they botched their, their first opportunity and never got a second chance. We'll never know who they are, right? So- it's not a fair industry. And uh, the reality is that, you know, do I, I think that the question of whether Tom Brenneman should be forgiven is very different than the question of whether Tom Brenneman should be back in the industry. I, it's not for me to say, right? You know, Tom Brenneman didn't say the N-word, you know what I mean? So for me, it's not my place to have an opinion on whether or not he should be forgiven. You know, I kind of look at a, a guy, uh, I, of course, you know, Seinfeld, uh, who is everybody's favorite character on Seinfeld, right? I don't know. There's a lot. You don't of know? Them. It's Kramer. Well, Everyone's Kramer, favorite character I don't is know Kramer. If, I don't know if that's my favorite one. I, I really? love George. I mean, yeah. and, then if you, and then if you look at offshoots, like Newman yeah. was always fantastic. But I, I, I get it. It's a diverse argument. The only time the studio audience clapped upon seeing a character was when Kramer would come in. They had to stop them from doing that. Because of the entrance, would, he would always yeah, make an would, entrance. Yes. He would enter and they would applaud. There was a little stretch of episodes where that would happen. So obviously, you know, if I'm bringing up Kramer, you know why I'm bringing up Kramer, right? So we all know what he did at the Laugh Factory back in 2006. And, you know, as someone who uh, watched Seinfeld growing up, I you know, watched it while it was on the air, not in syndication, when it was new episodes on NBC, I was a big fan of Kramer. Uh, it was an interesting moment, right? It's like, hmm, what do I do with this, right? Do I have to stop watching Seinfeld now? Should I, should I stop supporting this guy? And, you know, what it comes down to is there is a difference between forgiving someone and watching their work. And this works in different ways. In the case of Kramer, I decided, you know what? I do like Kramer. I don't care about Michael Richards at all, but I do like Kramer. Uh, and so I have no positive associations with Michael Richards in the slightest, but I will still enjoy Kramer on Seinfeld. In the case of Tom Brenneman, it's actually kind of the reversal where whether or not you decide to forgive him in this industry, no individual person is 
essential. They're, you know, NBC just told Al Michaels to get out. Amen. I mean, so the idea ESPN, I keep bringing this up, walked Chris Berman out the door, who founded basically he and Dick Vitale made ESPN in the early to mid 1980s. And they eventually walked him out the door at ESPN to go back to them again. And I'm in this industry. You know this where and you have to have the mindset always there are people the line is as long as as what some of the the lines are to get into your Starbucks and get your latte on who wants your job and who will do your job and who will do your job for less money if you're unhappy uh, about that part so you've you've got to be careful here's just uh, one more thing we'll kind of we'll kind of bring it back. Uh, to this. One of the things he brought up on the podcast, and I want people to go listen again to George's podcast. Tell me a story. I don't know. It's on the podcast feed on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast feed. It is the show previous to this release here. It's part one of the episode. He says, uh, I'm not going to reveal all of it, but he says, I talked to my bosses at Fox still. And he said, and I, I have pleaded with them. You're giving Michael Vick an opportunity to be on your broadcast. He says this on the podcast, John, on George's podcast. Michael Vick went to federal prison for what he did with dogs and animals. There are millions and millions of people that are outraged that don't want him on TV and you have him on TV. And that is something. And I think this is an important distinction not to minimize the insult and the word the difference between what you said and what you did in the Michael Vick case, he went to federal prison for what he did. Again, to your point, you pay your, you pay your penalty, you pay your price, but nothing is given to you. Vick came out and played in the NFL and is now being given the chance on TV. And Brenneman's point again, I won't speak for him. Go listen to it is he got an opportunity after being in prison for something that he did. So yeah. Just add that to the discussion. I think it's interesting. It's it's interesting. Well, you know, I don't know whether time gets back in. Go ahead. Marv Albert was charged with a felony and Correct. went through the most uh, lur- arguably you could make an argument the most lurid and sensational trial of the late nineties, right? Uh, of a celebrity, right? Uh, and uh, he got fired, and he was back calling the NBA finals in four years. He was back in one one year. Correct on Turner. Yes. Am I yeah. right? The very next, uh, one year on MSG, and he came back with Turner, I believe, in 99. Two years. Yeah. He was back. Yeah. And, and you by know, the way, he pled guilty to lesser charges yeah, for he what did. he did. And so, and you have even said when we talked about this earlier and Marv's into his career at 80 years of age, in a yeah. different time, if yeah. that had been in the present day with social media over the last few years, he's probably not back. You know who's you know who never works again if his indiscretion happens now rather than then? Mike Tirico. Yes. Now, look, I like Mike Tirico. I think a lot of people do. Mike Tirico got suspended for sexual harassment for six months. Do you realize what kind of a debauched nightmare ESPN was for women back then? There was probably stuff that was going without any punishment at all that would, you know, make people mm-hmm. shocked today. So if you're getting suspended for ES- from ESPN for six months in 1991, you had to have done something pretty intense, right? There's and a couple, so- of, there's a couple yeah. of stories that, that were there. I'm not going to get into all of it. I don't know how much of it is true, but obviously it was serious enough that they took him off the air for a while. And it's a different time. It's a different time of social yeah. media, different time of scrutiny, stuff yeah. like what we're doing. Again, keep- go ahead. But people get grandfathered in. Mike Tirico got grandfathered in. Marv Albert got grandfathered in. Rachel Nichols it had a much greater hit to her career for being videotaped in her hotel room saying something that was frankly more critical of her bosses than her colleague. She might never work again. Marv was back in a year after not just a felony, a lurid tabloid felony that was in all the headlines where people were talking about all of his proclivities in private. And I mean, are you I mean, it's got to be pretty galling. Right. But I mean, even just a Tirico point, because, you know, look, do I think Mike Tirico should never work again because of what he did when he was 25, 25 years ago? I mean, I'm going to not knowing the full extent of what went on, say, of course, he shouldn't never work again you know i mean the reality is i don't think he's the same guy that he was back then but you know i mean it really had no impact on his career at Mm. all 
All right. And, you know, if you're a guy, if you're, I mean, Brenneman should have brought up Tariko, not Michael Vick, because but it's a just, different game for analysts. He's right. And he's, but he's just saying in the present that he has talked to the Fox executives. That's what he said on the podcast, pleading his own case on let me back in somehow, some way. If you're giving forgiveness to Michael Vick. So basically he's at the point, you probably don't know this meme and I don't really know it either. Uh, the comedian, Eric Andre trying to get into some building and he's yelling, let me in. You ever seen that meme? <laughs> I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of where, that's kind of where uh, Brennan well, is. I mean, we'll see. Know. Look, uh, when it comes down to it, Tom Brennan ultimately has an argument from the standpoint of, well, other people, blah, blah, blah. But you know, what about is the worst argument you could possibly have. It's when you have nothing else. But what about is when you have nothing else? That's why all the idiots in politics are constantly using that argument because they never have anything else. The reality is Tom Brenneman was on the air using language that was obviously deeply offensive to a lot of people. And not, not beyond the fact of him using that language, you are talking about the fact that he was not professional enough to uh, excuse me professional enough to keep that language out of the workplace he shouldn't be saying it at all but he's saying it on the job right before the commercial break ends i mean like i'm you know i i i do not believe in permanent banishment i don't believe in that i never have uh you know uh, i don't believe that people should be judged for the worst thing they ever said or did uh, you know, unless it's, you know, murder, obviously, or something like that. Um, and when it comes down to it, I'm someone who believes that people do change. I'm not one of these awful cynics walking around thinking that no one ever changes. And there's too many of those folks out there nowadays who think that no one ever, uh, no one ever changes. But he lost that job for what he said, but he also lost that job for being completely unprofessional in a way that is way below the expectations of a guy of his stature. And there's a lot of people of equal talent behind him. So he's at the back of the line. That would actually be for Tariko a three-month suspension, not six months. So we just correct that. All right, fair enough. Go listen to it. It's part one. Again, there's a lot of meat on the bone. The story's about the Bartman game. Uh, and then on the second part, stories about working with Harry Carey as a young broadcaster, working with his father or the Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman later in his career and a lot of the big games he's done. So that'll be part two with George's Tell Me a Story. Uh, I don't know. It's time. It's time to get to it. Love it or leave it. Subject number one. I, I love me some game seven overtime winning calls on Sunday night. Two of them. Kenny Albert aforementioned on the New York Rangers Pittsburgh Penguins overtime winning game seven call. And then Bob was Shusen of ESPN with a great call on the Calgary Dallas finish working that game with Brian Boucher, who's a very underrated analyst too, by the way, on ESPN. They worked two game sevens. It was the first time, John, I believe I heard since 1997, two game sevens went to sudden death overtime on the same day, much less the same night back to back. Those were great calls. So I love that. I love the hockey drama. I just thought I would share that. And the NHL ratings, just say something real quick, but that Rangers game were tremendous game seven with the Penguins, right? Most watched first round game ever on cable. It was the most watched, uh, uh, the, the four Three of the four most watched first round games ever on cable came over the weekend. Uh, in fact, I think it might have been four out of five. Mm. I mean, there were so many game sevens, it's hard to keep there track. Were five yeah. NHL game yeah. sevens. That's correct. Yeah. On Saturday right. I got to update my post. I've been working on it. I only have four in there. I forgot about the Kings Oilers game. So, three of the four most watched first round games ever on cable. Uh, I wanted to uh, just say, you know, Bob Wischusen was a bit of a revelation. Uh, you know, Bob Wischusen's been around for a while. I was watching an old NBA game the other day. He was on the sidelines, which is kind of shocking. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that he did that. Uh, but he's been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, hockey play-by-play -play requires a level of skill that is higher. That's just reality. Not everyone can do hockey play-by-play. -play. It's a lot like horse racing. The pace, you've got to just, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, I mean, how about this? I don't think Vin Scully could have done hockey play by play. Uh, I would agree with that. Okay. That's not sacrilege, right? Right. You know? So, I mean, different it's, sports. It's, yeah. It's a tremendous skill to be able to do hockey play by play. And the fact that Bob was did it 
with such authority. I didn't even know he, he covered hockey before this year. So he was a revelation Sunday night. You know, that was, uh, I was very surprised. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm the last one to know how good Bob Lashusen is. No, I think that's fair. It surprised a lot of people because you primarily know him from doing ESPN college basketball and football. You know him in the New York market with Jets radio doing NFL play-by-play. But I think for most people to hear him do that, it, it was, it was wow. Uh, on that. I mean, I'll bring it to a a lesser level with me. I pride myself on being a diverse play-by-play person. And John, again, I'm not trying to make this I, I, me, me, but I've done a lot of national stuff with college football, college basketball, the PGA tour. And one season I got to work with Jeff Nelson, the former Yankees reliever now on MSG and now with the, uh, the Marlins broadcasts. Uh, Jeff, Jeff does a tremendous job as an analyst. He and I worked national radio of games uh, involving the Tampa Bay Rays out of their radio market playing different teams, obviously, all throughout the season. I had one person after another pay me a great professional compliment. I didn't know you could do baseball. I knew you could run your mouth and be loud and scream on football and basketball. But to your point about Vin Scully, baseball is different. Baseball is long. Baseball is gaps and stories and whatever. And I have had multiple people that heard me do that, that really paid me what I consider a great professional compliment. I didn't know you could do baseball right back at Bob was to be able to pull that off on that stage. Tremendous good on him because I'm confessing right now on the sports podcast. I could not do hockey and do it. Well, I just, I mean, the names, the flow of the game, it would be obvious that I'm not like that at that, at that level. And that would be for a lot of guys to your point. You know, you reminded me a little bit of the late Dave Strader, just in terms of the sound of his voice. Uh, I'm not going to sit down here and say that I watched with shoes in his regular season games. That was my first time watching him all season. And it was only after the NBA game ended actually after inside the NBA ended before I switched over. So it's not like I heard of everything, but he did remind me a little bit of the late great Dave Strader in the sound of his voice. There's something about it that uh, reminded me a little bit, the command kind of a little bit. Uh, so I thought, you know, very good. And, uh, you know, Kenny Albert's always good. I will say I did miss the overtime because I was watching the Mavericks, uh, you know, 60 points on the Suns. Uh, sorry to all the hockey fans out there, but I was watching the NBA game to the bitter end. Um, so I did not catch Kenny Albert's call, but Kenny's always good. And, you know, look, as good as Doc Emmerich was, and Doc might be the best to ever do it, um, it's like with Marv. I didn't miss Marv at all. And Marv, you know, was the soundtrack of my youth on the NBA and NBC. I've always enjoyed Marv, Marv's call of the game, but I think it's a good thing. And I would like to think that Marv and Doc Emmerich feel the same way when they aren't missed. When you can move on, you know, Joe Buck was on that conference call on ESPN yesterday saying how happy he was for Joe Davis and uh, Kevin Burkhart and how he, he said something to the effect of that he didn't want it to always be standing in their way. It made me think about Kevin Harlan being 60 plus and finally getting to do a full conference final because Marv was sitting in the way all those years. There's so much talent in this industry that doesn't get a chance to shine because those jobs, it's like the Supreme Court. You know, you're just sitting there, you know, and waiting for people to retire. Ultimately, you know, it's uh, I think it's good to get some new blood in there. And the new TV deal has definitely brought in some folks. Steve Levy, by the way, I know that uh, Sean McDonough, the implication is that he had COVID. And that's why he wasn't there. Uh, The implication from Andrew Marchand on his Twitter page, you know, Steve Levy did well enough on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon to make me think that he should have gotten that job. Well, right. Can you imagine the only reason Levy's not the number one guy is because he had the number one job for the NFL, which they took away without any hesitation, man. But, you know, well, but Levy's been doing hockey for 25 years previously at ESPN late nineties, early two thousands was doing hockey and hockey play by play uh, that was in there. So all good points on that. Let us move along. Love it or leave it. Preakness Stakes is coming this weekend. The second jewel of the horse racing triple crown. The winner, Rich Strike, not in the race. John, love it or leave it. Most of America may tune out now because of that. What say you here real quick? Sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Well, I'm sure NBC was very pleased to hear that Rich Strike wasn't going to be there. Look, I mean, you know. 
If I'm NBC, I only have rights to the, to the Derby. The Preakness is not big enough. They already gave up the Belmont to Fox. Let Fox have the Preakness too, because ultimately, you know, the Preakness is actually only a so-so draw. It's not a bad draw, but, you know, I mean, it's certainly not a bad thing to have the Preakness three hours of programming on a Saturday in May, but, you know, you could, you could stand to save some money and just cut it. It's not really that great of an event. And there's, you know, in recent years, there's too many occasions where the Derby winner isn't even there. You know, to me, the Derby is the draw. There are two draws in horse racing, the Derby and the Belmont when the horse is uh, going for the Triple Crown. And that's it. Fair enough. Another subject. Love it or leave it. The PGA Championship for the PGA Tour and the Golf Major is this week. Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tiger Woods back for the first time since the Masters. Love it or leave it, John Lewis. Will Tiger be in contention much to CBS's glee? Give me a prediction. Do you think he's around that leaderboard contending come this weekend? Let's both give a prediction. What do you think? Well, you know, sure. I'm going to say he's going to shoot a 63 every day. I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not the, I'm not, I'm, I just told you that I only I just yesterday realized what Brandel Chambly looks like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll enjoy it. I hope he makes a weekend. I hope he plays a weekend. I hope he is in contention. Uh, the, re- the reality is this is, this is a great year for the PGA because the last couple of times the PGA has been up against the NBA and NHL playoffs this time, the NBA is in the conference finals, so there's no competition there uh, on those weekend days. Uh, you know, last year, Phil won at age 50, which was a great story, and that's all gone now. Um, you know, I've mentioned it before. I still can't believe Phil has taken the, num- the amount of heat that he's taken. I'm not saying that what he said wasn't objectionable, but it's rare, especially in golf, that people, you know, find their moral, you know, fiber so intensely that they basically drive him out of the game. You know, uh, I'm not sponsors have fled from him and he's yet to really publicly come out beyond figuratively Oprah Winfrey's couch or something else and try to apologize and move on. Um, I mean, it's it's honestly really surprising, uh, you know? So I think ultimately uh, Tiger's going to have to be in contention, but Spieth Spieth has been playing well lately. Mm -hmm. Spieth is, uh, and of course it's Tiger, Spieth and McElroy in the first pairing about that. Yeah, ESPN Plus will get a few streams tomorrow. I guess I'm glad I have ESPN Plus now. I'm glad I didn't cancel it. I will just weigh in. Don't count this guy out. Do not. I mean, I again, I have worked PGA Tour radio. I've had the privilege of working a U.S. Open and calling play-by-play of Tiger Woods shots and getting to interview him after the round, a professional uh, thrill to be around him on PGA Tour radio. I mean, for whatever the hate is about the personal life and the problems and coming back from injury, don't count him out. Yeah. Don't count him out to contend. I'm not saying he'll win. We'll see. And he's won at that course before. So let's just see. He has some knowledge. Can he physically hold up as Friday becomes Saturday, Saturday becomes Sunday on the, on the reconstructed ankle. It bothered him at Augusta clearly Saturday and Sunday, the third and the fourth round with the walking and that much. Let's see what happens on that. At, at this point, I think we're good on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. John, anything else in closing that we have not covered as we've gone across the gamut? Anything else? Yes, uh, I should probably name Dave Nagel as well as an ESPN PR person <laughs> who has indulged me over the years. If the podcast goes another 15 minutes, yeah. there'll be six more ESPN PR people. Well, you know, I know I'm forgetting at least a few. I know I'm forgetting at least a few, but uh, yeah. And you know what? Just for fun, uh, Jeff Pomeroy at Turner a million years right. ago was great as well. Shout uh, out to my guy, Tony Morreale, who used to yes, be at the Tampa Bay right. Buccaneers. I love my Tony. I love my guy, Tony Moe, who's at Turner uh, with this as well. And there's a bunch of different people at Fox uh, that, that we work with and in and around and NBC, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, that are Indeed. on this so good on the shout outs anything else or are we good um I, i'm not sure if we're good at least me i don't know uh but <laughs> we might be done uh you know uh let's see if we can uh, get finally get over this covid and move on you know i hope you feel better on that hockey playoffs my tampa bay lightning the two-time defending champ still very much alive i'm interested in that the basketball playoffs and the conference finals we're ready to watch eager to watch all of that unfold and everything else that's happening. John, anything else? Yeah, XFL, ESPN. They are, uh, ESPN is getting the XFL exclusively. This will be a diminished XFL Ooh. that does not have the same juice as the one from three years ago, in my view. 
when it launches. Love next it or year. leave it. Do they play a game? There's some belief that they never play a game. You think they're they going to try it? They, they play. play a game. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I mean, look, there, it's, I don't know how they got this ESPN deal realistically. I'm surprised, but you know, um, we'll see. Cause if you have the XFL and the USFL going on at the same time, I mean, just how big is the audience for spring football realistically? So. All right. We'll see. Good announcement on that. John, thank you so much. As always, we'll be reading the site, sportsmediawatch.com. We appreciate the time here on the podcast. All right. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Again, follow us or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Rate and review us as well. Check out George and the uh, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast with Tom Brenneman. Part one is the podcast on the uh, library just before ours. Part two is out next week. We're back next week with another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. For now, we're good. I'm TJ Reeves for John Lewis. Read us up. Read us up on SportsMediaWatch.com. Bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.